You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing and uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brenton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> hey, I don't know, Shane. I figured you'd like this news. It sounds like you're starting the party early, just like our good buddy old Bobby Petrino. Oh. But have you <laughs> have you heard the Little Rock Touchdown Club announced on Tuesday they are going to have Bobby Petrino come speak to the club? And this is, uh, I, I believe, September 9th, so right after the season starts, they're going to be getting the old coach back in town. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't hear this. This is awesome. So my question to you, Shane, do you think he rides his hog in the Little Rock Touchdown Club here? Dude, if he's got a pair, he better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> get, get on this fat boy and just roll in, Mike. <laughs> Not only is this news stunning, I mean, I can't believe they're going to have this guy in there because so many people look at Bobby Petrino and obviously what he did there is the reason why Arkansas has been on such a downward trending cycle. Of course, it's hard to think back this far back, Shane, but when he was the head coach, I mean, it was Alabama, LSU, mm -hmm. and then it was Arkansas right there behind him. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, they're far from those days. But uh, how rowdy do you expect this event to get? I don't think too rowdy because I don't, I don't think a lot of people are going to show up, to be honest with you. Because, like you said, he didn't leave on great terms. I mean, let's, for instance, Mike, let's compare this to other universities, okay? My volunteers. This is like... I don't want to say Lane Kevin because he's he's kind of getting a little thing going. Let's say uh, let's say Derek Dooley or Butch Jones. Hell, Butch Jones comes in and they have the orange caravan and they say, "Hey, <laughs> guess the speaker tonight is Lyle Jones. He's going to come up here and talk a little Alabama football." I mean, how many people are really going to show up to this thing? Uh, maybe just Barb. Barb. With <laughs> 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 their chip dip. <laughs> But in addition to this guest, I do want to give a shout-out here to the Little Rock Touchdown Club because I don't have the list in front of me, Shane, but their list of speakers is outstanding. they got Chad Morris, they got Ryan Mallett, they got Dan Hampton, NFL Hall of Famer, and then they got guys from all over the place like Urban Meyer is going to come, Herschel Walker. Uh, they, they've got a really good lineup here, and it's just kind of stunning to see Bobby Vitrino on the list. Yeah, Jim, Jim McElwain in Florida. 
You know, that's another one. <laughs> oh, God, he can't show his face because, you know, the death threats and all. <laughs> <laughs> Last bit of news here, Shane, before we go around the league. I just thought this was kind of interesting and I wanted SEC fans to be aware of it. But the SEC Network has officially hired an officiating analyst for the upcoming season. He's going to work in the studio and he's going to be one of those guys, you know, like on uh, NFL Fox where they'll kick it over to Mike Pereira and he'll give you the breakdown of his thoughts on like instant replays and challenges and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the SEC Network is going to have that. And it's going to be Matt Austin, which I assume most people don't know the name, but if you see a picture of the guy, you'd recognize him. He's a referee for 15 years in the SEC and just announced his retirement. So SEC Network... I don't know if it'll just be SEC Network or other ESPN games featuring SEC teams, but I think this is a solid move here by the SEC Network to, because we've all been we've all been there watching our teams. We don't understand what in the hell these refs are doing. At least we'll have someone to kind of uh, give us a uh, insight into the mind of some of these refs. No, that's awesome, man. I think this is a great move. So let me just let me get it straight. So while all these SEC games on, whatever you're watching, mm-hmm. he's going to be sitting somewhere, remote location, and they're going to patch him in to explain a call. So it's not just like the SEC game or something like that. He's going to be actually bouncing around all all day Saturday. Is that right? Yeah. For, so the way I understand it, he's going to be in Charlotte at the uh, SEC Network headquarters. So yeah, he'll they'll have him watching all the games, and then whenever there's a controversial penalty, what have you, an instant replay, while that's going on, I think they'll kick it over to him and just get his thoughts on what he's seeing, and you know him predicting what's going to happen. So uh, just another added layer that uh, I think is going to make this upcoming football season even better for SEC football fans. Absolutely. What's his name again? Matt Austin. And Man. we ought to, uh, on the Reddit page, maybe we'll drop a photo of him. Because like oh, I said, if, if you yeah. see this guy, you you will recognize him. But of course, you know, the refs don't have names on their jerseys. So why would you know his name? But once you see him, I mean, this guy's called uh, National Championship Games, SEC Championship Games. He's he's one of the guys that knows what he's doing. Yeah. This is a guy, too, that got them guns going late in, the, late in his <laughs> life, too. So I, you'll know. Yeah. You see one picture of him, you'll know exactly who he is. And for some reason, I kind of don't like him. So I don't know if he, he did something against my team or something. But I don't know. I'm looking at him like, there's a reason I don't like this guy for some reason. But, hey, he's he's neutral party now. And now he can give us a definitive answer on why the penalty's on the field. So I like this. This is a great move. Uh, I'm not sold on their Twitter page. I'll tell you that. I think that's a, all I'm <laughs> – you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I bet that thing has got more notifications than any uh, Twitter in SEC this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for anyone that doesn't know what Shane's talking about, the SEC has an official, I think it's called SEC Officiating. Yeah. You go check it out. They're apparently going to be breaking down some controversial calls all off season, And it's almost as if SEC Network not aware of some of the people that are on Twitter. This is uh, this is not going to go over well. <laughs> no, I'm doing this countdown, you know, and every question, every, every game winner has a questionable call. So when you put the video out, it's like 15 people tagging SEC officiating and say, what about this one, you know? <laughs> like, they're going to shut my account or countdown. <laughs> All right, Shade, on that note, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. 
We, we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over and you know like every other or every third song it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice so you just uh, you get used to it it's, it's a catchy tune right I mean. this game's gonna be a street fight this game's gonna be a street fight i mean some of you guys don't know who kimbo slice is hopefully you do um, and you go back to it man this isn't a sanctioned fight this is a street fight i mean this is the sec so man it's time it's time to put on a hard hat launch bail let's get to work All right, Shane, starting here in Athens, Georgia. I just thought this was a pretty interesting clip here. This came from uh, WSB there in Athens and Kirby Smart. I don't think this is uh, anything that happened Monday or Tuesday. I think this happened right before training camp. But uh, they interviewed Kirby Smart, getting his thoughts on training camp. And uh, I just really like this, what he had to say here when he's specifically talking about the end of talking season. (laughs) <laughs> you know, how excited do you get about getting on the field and doing what you what you got in this business to do, Coach? I love it because it puts the talking season to rest. You know, all the everybody talking about the players, this and that in the season. We want to get out there and see them compete. And there's a lot of guys on our team that don't get talked about that are excited about winning jobs. So let's get on the field and let's see who wins them. During that talking season, you know, expectations fly. Yeah. How do you manage expectations with a team to keep them grounded? Well, we don't talk about them a lot. I mean, we know that there's nothing that's said that will affect any outcome of a game. The only thing that's going to affect the outcome of a game is what we do with our actions. So we focus on that. We focus on the work. I mean, it takes what it takes, and that's kind of been our mantra, that it takes what it takes. So we've got to go do the right things in every facet to get the marginal gains we need. Is it? Is this the best, well, I think you would say, the deepest team that you've had? You know, I don't know. I would certainly say yes at some positions, and I would say no at some positions. Overall, as a whole, it's very similar to some of our other ones, but regardless of that, it's really going to boil down to not the depth, but the buy-in of each guy on the team, and that's what we got to get. Kirby Smart's ready for talking season to be over. I think we all are, obviously. We got it a little bit low, a couple more days here before we get into the action, but... I just like this a little insight here to Kirby Smart getting ready in for Georgia's football camp. Uh, what do you think of this clip? Yeah, good clip here. Uh, just you know, I, I think it was, some of it was coach speak, but you know he's right. The, the all that chatter that we had in the off season is starting to come to a head, man. And football's right around the corner, so I'm excited. All right, Shane, let's uh, jump on down to Gainesville. Dan Mullen met with the media here on Tuesday and. Like he likes to do, Shane. He had a long one. It was about a 32-minute <laughs> presser here, and um, he touched on a lot of topics here. And unfortunately, kind of the biggest news to or revelation, I should say, from this one, a junior defensive back, C.J. McWilliams, out for the season, non-contact injury. Apparently, he ruptured his Achilles, according to Dan Mullen. And uh, I feel really bad for this guy because he does have a bad rap for – he was the one in the Georgia game that uh, got burned a couple of times for touchdowns. But, you know, I was hearing good things about him. He wasn't going to be one of their starters, but mm-hmm. Florida desperately needs, you know, depth in the secondary. They've lost some guys. Some guys have hit the transfer portal. So uh, this is definitely a loss. And just more than anything, you hate to hate to have a guy 
loss for the season here just a week or so into camp. God, you hate to hear this, Mike, you know, because, I mean, Achilles injuries, those are some of the worst. I mean, they take the longest to rehab. The tendon, hell, it's the strongest tendon in your body. And when this thing goes, it goes. And they say a lot of times you can hear it snap. So uh, I hate to hear it for this kid. I hate to hear it for Florida. But the news wasn't all bad there in Gainesville, Shane, because Dan Mullen, you know, he was pretty optimistic when asked about the team's explosive plays. You know, that was one thing. Obviously, he came down there last season, did a hell of a job, turned around a dormant offense, and made it a very consistent unit, particularly at the tail end of the season there. But one area where the Gators really need to improve upon, Shane, explosive plays from scrimmage. I looked this up, uh, plays of 20 or more yards, they're like 55th, and plays of 40 or more, they're ranked in the 70s in the nation. So uh, that's one thing they've got to answer, and Dan Mullen explained why he thinks that's going to get turned around. Dan, can you talk about trying to get more explosive plays, big plays in the offense. I know you guys were around middle of the pack in the country last year. Yeah, well, I mean, one, it's it's the explosive playmakers. Uh, you know, and I think we have some of those guys now. You know, and, and guys that understand the offensive scheme better gives you the the, the opportunity to go do it. And I, and I think the, the other one is having multiple guys that are playmakers. You know, and especially you look at in the perimeter at the receiver position where uh, – you know, and, and everyone's, you know, you worry too. You'll have some get it to plays, but you also have plays where when you, you have, you know, if we got three, four receivers out there and, and all four of them can make an explosive play and do what you need them to do, it allows you to take advantage of what the defense has given you. And I think that leads to more explosive plays. Was, do you think last year, a lot of it too, though, was that you were just trying to get things installed and, and I, I think there's a lot to it I think it's guys learning the system and learning the offense you know what I mean I it, it, within the offense you have guys that want to once you know the offense you know how to make plays within the offense you know what I mean and hey can I do this can I run this route this way hey you know what I I, I just I, I decided to change the route I, I I hooked up here I sat in this area you know what I mean is it okay if I you know it, it this is why I did it. And when you have guys doing that, you have a chance. To, you know, they understand the system. Um, hey, I want to take this over the top instead of sitting it down here. Okay, great. Um, and they're more confident in doing it. And, and I think that leads to more explosive plays. All right, Shane. So I really liked what Dan Mullen had to say here. Makes a ton of sense what he's talking about. You know, having these explosive players, particularly at receiver, helps. And just – Everyone having more familiarity with the system, having more confidence in it, and knowing how to improvise on the fly should lead to some more big plays here for the Gators. Absolutely. And nobody's more excited to hear this than a Gator fan, you know? They miss that Steve Spurrier high-flying offense, you know? And they're explosive players. If they have explosive plays, then uh, Florida's going to think they're back, man. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting that you said that, Shane, because obviously Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain didn't work out. But even when those coaches were winning, it didn't seem like they fully had the support of a lot of Gator fans because the teams weren't exciting. The yep. offense wasn't there. It was defense dominating. It was kind of slugfest. And not that they want that defense to go away. They'll need that defense if they're going to win the SEC, if they're going to win another national championship. But they want to see some explosive plays. They want to see a lot of high-flying scoring offenses. And uh, Dan Mullen's units 
have been known to do that. So this is kind of the recipe for it. And uh, I don't know. I, I think Gator fans got a lot of reason to be optimistic heading into the year. Yeah, I think it's a perfect fit, man. Now, what the Gators may be missing, though, Shane, Mullen hit on that, is that alpha dog mentality. And this was particularly interesting because old Dan Mullen was asked about, you know, who was the biggest alpha dog that you ever coached? And he gave a kind of surprising answer here. Well, we're really looking for who are alpha dogs in a really positive manner to go lead the team. We have a lot of guys that – we have guys that talk. We have guys that really go hard and do things then try to lead by example. We need some alpha dogs that are both. You know what I mean? All right, Shane, I don't know, I don't know if you could hear it there, but it was one of the Florida media members – when old Mullen said Dak Prescott, he asked, even better than Tebow? Like, like, <laughs> he had to reel him back in like, you know where you're at, right, Dad? Oh, geez, he keeps forgetting, man. And at the tail end of this thing, he did the same thing. He's like, you know, a lot of people act like they're alpha dogs, you know, but they're really not. And then he goes, you know, like Fletcher Cox, no, that's a, that's an alpha dog. And uh, Dak Prescott, that's an alpha dog. And then it's like all of a sudden a light switch hit when he saw that bright orange sitting around him. He's like, Oh, and the Pouncy Twins, they were good, you know. And then, you know, who else is there? And he's looking at his hand, you know, who else played here? So it's like, you got give him a, give him a few more years, Mike. He'll finally figure it out he's in, he's in Gainesville. <laughs> but let me ask you this, Shane. Do you think this is something that can be developed in the season? Or do you think this is something that these players need to have uh, basically – you know, worked out in the offseason going into training camp. Is this something that Dan Mullen is basically, I don't want to say he's worried about it, but is this something that he thinks can be developed ahead, you know, once the season starts? No, no. This is something that's there or it's not there, Mike. And it, I don't know. Let me ask you this. I think there's not much difference between alpha dog mm-hmm. and leader. And, and I, and it makes me worry because when you come out and you say alpha dog, I don't have you know I don't have alpha dogs and stuff like that. It makes me feel like there's no leadership because when you think of the best leaders of that team, uh, think of like White with LSU last year. That was an alpha dog, but he was also a leader. He was a captain. He you know he rallied the 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 players there and got the best out of them. That kind of worries me because if that's not in that locker room now in August, then that's going to show up on the field later. Yeah, that's an interesting point, and he may be singling out Felipe Franks. Not saying he is, but that may be, because it seems like leadership and uh, consistency, these are things that he's been asking of Franks all you know, offseason. And uh, maybe he's this is his way to, to you know, kind of directly bring him in there where, you know, I developed Dak into one, Tebow into one, and uh, just waiting for the next one to emerge. Yeah, we'll see. All right, Shane, sticking with the SEC East theme here, let's jump on down to Lexington. Well, we got some bad news here in Kentucky, man. It just seems like guys are dropping like flies. The latest is receiver Isaiah Epps. Uh, Eddie Grand, the offensive coordinator, announced that uh, Epps had surgery for a fracture in his left foot. He's going to be out at least six weeks, they're saying, so he's going to miss you know, the beginning of the season. And uh, Kentucky, not very deep at the receiver position, so this is going to be a, a bit of a blow here for the Wildcats. Dude, big, big blow here. Uh, you know, because that's what he's been talking about. Even though he walked 
it back a little bit in that last press conference that they're going to want to throw more. Mm-hmm. And last thing you need is less receivers, especially ones that's got the most experience or one of the most experienced on there. Yeah, but the good news is, Shane, Terry Wilson met with the media here on Tuesday, and he was asked about Kentucky's breakout players. He was asked to specifically give one breakout player, and he couldn't even do it, Shane. He had to throw out two names out there. <laughs> Terry can't even count. We're in trouble, Mike. Who's a guy that maybe maybe the overall fan base or even us may not be thinking about right now, but you think could really emerge on your side of the ball and, and, and be special this year? Uh, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to say, firstly, Bryce Oliver, um, and then and second, Cavassier Smoke. Yeah, the, Cavassier, he's, he's going to be a different back. Uh, I mean, the way he runs the ball is it's crazy. You know, his legs are huge and he can squat a lot. So he's definitely going to be, you know, one of those guys. And, and Bryce Oliver, he's he's took a huge step this whole summer, uh, just learning the playbook um, and making sure he's he's working out really hard and he wants to throw all the time and he wants to, you know, make sure he's working on his on his uh, his routes. And, you know, I feel like he's definitely going to make a, a huge, huge, huge uh, jump in the season. Is a spring game kind of a hint? I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was. He, he uh, made some big-time catches there. So then that got his confidence up some. All right, Shane. So these are two names I wasn't very familiar with. That's kind of what he was asked, and that's what he delivered. Bryce Oliver, uh, Cavassier Smoke. I, I've heard the names, but just don't never seen a play or anything. And this is kind of what Stoops has been talking about, players stepping up that we don't know. Terry Wilson's impressed. Uh, maybe these are one of these guys or both these guys step up and – um, you know, obviously they they still got some guys like Lynn Bowden and AJ Rose and everything, but maybe this is the next generation of uh, the guys that step into that second or third tier role that Kentucky's going to be leaning on this season. Dude, and with Cash leaving, you gotta have somebody like Cav- how you say it, Cavassier Smoke. Cavassier Smoke. Cavassier Smoke. We need his. We need this guy to be good, Mark. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What a killer name that is. That is awesome. I should, I should name my kids that. Cavassier. <laughs> Cavassier. <laughs> I like it. Man, this guy needs to be good. His name's Smoke. Yeah, old Smoke got them thick legs too, Mike. That <laughs> <laughs> was an interesting, uh, interesting comment there, but hell, he knows a good running back when he sees one. He just played with uh, the best one in school history, so not throwing that comparison out to Benny Snell or anything, but it's interesting. It's interesting. He knows what a good running back looks like. He's seeing another one here. So I just thought Kentucky fans would appreciate this. This is two names they need to be on the lookout for coming into the season. Absolutely. I'm looking for it. All right, Shane, sticking in the SEC East again, let's jump on down to Columbia, South Carolina. Well, Will Muschamp, Shane, met with the media, and this is the first time he discussed the addition of Taven Feaster. Obviously, when you're, when a name goes in the transfer portal, and you maybe have some interest to help your football team, and I, we knew Taven from from recruiting him before, um, and he's a good young man. He's got a great family, and uh, we just reached out to him to see his interest in South Carolina, and and uh, he came down a couple times and really enjoyed it and felt like he fit in here. So that was a, a good opportunity for us and him. We we don't put anything more on our players and bring their best version of them every single day, and if they do that, we'll be fine. Coach, you always talk about competitive depth and how it helps your team. With Tavian being there, do you think that takes that running back room to the next level? Well, again, you know, we, we need to we need to improve and get better. There's no doubt about it. Anytime you have more competition, that certainly helps you. But uh, you know, that's why I told the team after practice today we've got more good players on the practice field, which helps with com- 
you know, competitive to energy, depth, all of those things that go into having a good football team. And, and if, you know, in five days in, I've been pretty pleased with, for the most part, the, the, the competition and the buy-in and, and what we're trying to do. So we're very pleased. Look, looking forward to watching this film tonight. All right, Shane. So Feaster's got – he has got to get himself to the dentist, it sounds like. But after that, <laughs> he'll be good to go, hit this, uh, hit this fifth gear that South Carolina needs. And, uh, you know, while we're talking about Feaster here, Shane, I thought you would appreciate this. I'm going to give a shout-out to our guy, Hugh Clark Jr. He shot me an email, big uh, South Carolina fan, big fan of the podcast, Shane. Check out this stat. At South Carolina, Will Muschamp has a 20-4 and overall record when the Gamecocks rush for over 100 yards, and they're 16-1 and when the Gamecocks rush for over 150. So Dang. Uh, Hugh Clark pretty fired up about the Taven Feaster joining South Carolina, off Clemson, obviously. So, And South Carolina's got a little bit of stable of running backs here, so it's not going to have to just be the Taven Feaster show, but... Uh, based on those stats uh, Hugh threw at us, I mean, this is a big step in the right direction to you know reach those numbers next season. Dude, I'm telling you what, I watched a little clip of him in practice today, and I, he wasn't doing much, but damn, he looks like a running back, man. He looks good. So I, I think they're gonna have they're gonna have a pretty nice little rotation going on there. Yeah, without a doubt, and uh, also more bad injury news here at South Carolina as well, Shane. Defensive lineman Devontae Davis likely lost for the season, according to Will Muschamp. This is a junior college lineman that uh, they just brought in who's not made an impact yet at South Carolina. And Muschamp, you know, obviously unfortunate, but he did note that uh, the depth is so so good on this defensive line. This is not a huge cause for concern. And I wanted to, you know, carry that into this conversation because new South Carolina defensive line coach, John Scott Jr., the guy they got from the Arkansas staff, he has some experience coaching in the NFL, Shane, some of the best linemen at the New York Jets, and he compared some of these, at least one of his players here, to some of the players he's seen in the NFL. I think, I think DJ Wadham is a really good player. He's a special guy. Uh, he's got, he can set the edge for us. He can rush the passer. You know, I was with the Jets for two years, and when I look at his body type, I look at his athleticism, he was better than some of the guys I felt like that we had up there. I think he's got a lot of potential. He could be special for us. You get Javon on the field now. You're going to get him in the spring. Just what's it, what's it like to have him? Uh, it makes you, makes you smile as a coach. Uh, just a guy that big, and uh, Javon is physical. Uh, he's a tough-minded guy, and I like the way he practices. He practices hard. Uh, he came into camp in shape, and so he's moving around well. Uh, it's it's a pleasure when you have a guy that can be disruptive like that and play the way you want him to play. And uh, you know, he and Kobe are doing a really good job for us inside of like leading the other guys of how to practice the techniques, uh, the assignments, and getting off a of block. So I mean, having a guy like that inside the way he's playing has been really uh, valuable for my room. All right, Shane, so this is one of the biggest reasons I'm so high on the Gamecocks. And here we got a defensive line coach saying that DJ Wanham looks like some of these New York Jet <laughs> players he's coached. And, uh, I mean, I love Wanham, but I don't even think that he's their best lineman. So that, that goes to show you what the Gamecocks are rolling with on the defensive line this season. And I think that's one of the groups that's not getting talked about enough. I mean, a lot of people want to talk about the receivers, Bentley, you know, even these other teams, what they got coming back. But I'll tell you what, man, that front of South Carolina 
is not getting the respect they deserve. Yeah, and look at it this way, Shane. I think this is the biggest example. I know fans are really excited about Zach Pickens, five-star lineman they just got, top 10 overall prospect. I mean, they're very eager to see this guy. I don't even know if he's going to see the field much this year, Shane. And I don't mean that to say he's bad. I mean that to say this damn line is so good and so deep, they're not going to be relying on him. Like, I'm sure he'll get in there several games. But I imagine Will Muschamp getting there and signing a top 10 defensive lineman. I mean, you wouldn't even pencil that guy in a starting lineup, Shane. You'd have to write it in ink. And <laughs> now after a few seasons, we're talking, you know, if this guy performs well in training camp, Maybe he'll see the field early on, but, uh, I mean, I think you're right on. And don't forget Joseph Anderson, too, another freshman they have that really looked good in the spring. I mean, this is a very, very deep line, and uh, I think it's going to be the key to them surprising a lot of people this season. Yeah, for sure. All right, Shane, let's jump to the other side of the division. Let's go on down to Arkansas. Woo pig! I don't know if you saw this clip, Shane. This was uh, one of my... Favorite clips so far of training camp, but uh, true freshman safety, Jalen Catalan. This is a guy that uh, Chad Morris, believe it or not, after they signed this kid, they said, you know, this is one of the best high school football players I've ever seen. And he's already looking like a stud here in his first training camp. He had a pick six in, I believe it was the second or third practice of uh, training camp here. And while he scores the pick six, John Chavis runs him down. He's the first one down there to tackle him. <laughs> John Chavis went on Twitter after, saw the video, and said, you know, I had to slow down. I almost ran right past him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that. That was good. But the, I bring that up, Shane, because Chad Morris kind of talked about it. But uh, So let's jump to old Chad Morris talking about the impact his freshmen are already making here in training camp. Yeah, I've been very pleased with with um, with all our young guys. Um, these guys have came in here and and they have they have taken everybody. Everybody's elevated their game this year. I, I, let me just start with that. And I think it's a credit to a lot of things. I think bringing that class in has helped. It wasn't the sole reason why these everybody else has elevated their game, but that was a big part of it. Um, creates competition, um, and so I've been very pleased with them. I've been really pleased with the older guys really taking the younger guys and accepting the role that they're coming in and getting pushed and helping them help show them this is how we do things in this program. I've been really impressed with that. Um, now, back on specific guys, I saw Traylon Burks make a one-headed catch out here today that I don't know if I've seen a kid make. It was unbelievable. Um, you know, he's just powerful. Uh, he's he's, um, he's 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 very much attention to detail. He wants to do everything perfect. Um, but, but again, that, that comes with being a young guy and um, coming out making plays. I mean, the, the, the stage is not too big for these guys that we brought in here. Um, the Catalan, I know you mentioned Jalen Catalan. He picked, had an had a interception return for a touchdown yesterday um, that uh, he did outrun Chief. I don't know if you saw the video, but he did outrun Chief. But, uh, you know, again, what does he do? He comes in, they provide value, they provide great depth back there. They're listening, they're talking. I mean, Jalen's back there listening to Cam talk. He's listening to Joe. Um, and then he gets in there and he gets his moment, you make a play. And that's what, you're, that's what you do. Um, but uh, all, all, even those guys up front, Colin Clay out there today, I mean, he was, he was getting it. Um, you know, Dylan Rathke, Brady Latham, these guys that we brought in here, they, they've all provided great value for this football program, both on the field and off the field. 
So I've been real pleased with these with these guys coming in. So this has got to be music to Razorback fans' ears, Shane. I mean, these freshmen have been talked about. We got this great recruiting class. You know, everyone in the SEC though says, "Hey, well, we got a good recruiting class too." But the difference at Arkansas is, if these guys are anything close to their hype, I mean, they're going to be basically day one starters. And I'm talking about a Jalen Catalong. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. talking about a Trey Knox. You know, all these players, a Traylon Burks who. Chad Morris just mentioned there. I think this is a great sign. I know, I mean, Chad Morris, was, he's just fired up all the time anyway, but he seemed particularly fired up about these young players. Oh, yeah. And it's good to see Chavis making jokes, you know. He went through some dark days last year. Mm-hmm. Is that all you got? <laughs> That's it, man. Okay. I mean, I thought this was a good clip. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm excited. I love the, watching the video, you know, but I want to know, which quarterback threw it, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was uh, John Stephen Jones, the third stringer. So uh-huh. not that's not going to play a factor into the quarterback race or anything. But Jerry, Jerry ain't happy, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> One other clip here from Chad Morris. I thought this was particularly interesting, Shane, because the Razorbacks have one of the best tight ends in the SEC in C.J. O'Grady. And they also have... A lineman, in-state lineman, Jamario Bell. This is a guy that's been waiting to do something, essentially, on the field. He's not yet lived up to the hype. And uh, I thought that was kind of interesting because Chad Morris is up here talking up his freshman. And then, you know, one of his more established players and one of his more veteran players, he, I don't want to say he completely ripped him, but, I mean, he came about as close as you can in a training camp. And, Mike, this is my favorite clip that I listened to today. Question about CJ. Uh, guy's a senior. Um, I know you're looking to him for some leadership, but I'm not sure if he's been working first team the first couple days. What's going on with him and in the whole tight end room? Well, I think we've got some competition in that room, and I think it's uh, iron sharpens iron. And, uh, you know, we got a standard that we set we're going to play at, and you do that, and then you'll be running with a group you want to run with. If not, we'll, we'll let you run with the other groups. And so, um, that's, that's kind of where we're at with C.J., and C.J. is a senior. And C.J.'s got to decide if this is exactly what he wants to do. And, um, and you know, we're not, our standard's not going to change. Um, you know, he's one of the best football players in the country, and we're, we're going to treat him that way. And um, so we're going to see how he responds. Yeah, Jamario Bell, he's one of those guys that, I mean, he's got a lot of potential, but do you think he might have a breakout senior year this year? Well, you know, Jamario um, – I know we talked about C.J. O'Grady a few minutes ago being a senior, and 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 now it's time. Um, Jamario, same way. I mean, it's time. Now it's 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 time. You've been here. You've been in the program. You're from Arkansas. It's time now to really take it over the top, and 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 really come in here and, and make a difference in your position room. We've challenged him. I know Coach Caldwell's challenged him, and um, you know for what we've seen this summer. And he's he's met the challenge, and so he's had a really good four days. Um, very active. Uh, he's long, and, and obviously he's just you know we just need we we need some production out of that position and and him. Chad with O'Grady, I, th- I think you said something like he's one of the best players in the country. We're going to treat him that way. Could you? Ex- I think I know what you meant, but could you yeah. expand on what you meant? Because yeah. I don't want to assume and be wrong. I sure can. All the great players that I've coached. That have, that have been truly a difference maker, you were able to hold those guys to a higher standard than you were anybody else. But they wanted it. They demanded that. Taj Boyd demanded that. 
You know, uh, Deshaun Watson, they demanded that. Nuke Hopkins demanded that. Sammy Watkins demanded that. Cortland Sutton demanded that. They didn't want to be they, – they, they, look, don't treat me like everybody else. I want you to hold me to a higher standard. I want you to be tougher on me than you are others. Because if, you, if, if that's the case, you, 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 you under, all the young guys understand, wow, if you're going to get on that guy, if you're going to get on to Cortland Sutton, you're going to get on me. If he overlooks Cortland Sutton, or he doesn't overlook that, he ain't overlook me as a, as a true freshman. So it, again, picks everybody up. This was very surprising to me that Chad Morse made these comments, but I mean, it kind of goes into the buy-in level that, that he's been talked about. It seems like he's got it, but maybe there's still a holdover here, here or there. And uh, C.J. O'Grady working with the third team roster. Chad Morse, I mean, he straight up called him out on here on Tuesday, didn't you think? Heck yeah, man. This is arguably one of the best players on this team. And I love this. This is sometimes you got to do this. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to shake the cage and get these guys to recognize that when you, you know, all this, all these mottos and all these things he's been saying is not just lip service. If he's not doing it, he's what one thing that Morris jumped in on there, the other people are watching him. And if he doesn't call him out, you know, if he doesn't call Cortland Sutton out, if he doesn't call these other players out, you know, the other ones, it creates another generation of no respect. So, yeah, this is awesome. And this is why they're going to win more than two games this year, Mike. Yeah, I think so too, Shane. So, I mean, we're starting to see Chad Morris kind of, I think he's finding his gear there at Arkansas. And if I'm a Razorback fan, I'm pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to College Station. Giga Maggots. Well, guess what, Shane? Jimbo Fisher's still mad. <laughs> Boy, he's pissed, man. <laughs> so Jimbo met with the media here on Monday evening, I believe this was, and, uh, yeah, he was not too happy. So, average, I mean, both one side win, one other side win. Too much inconsistency, not enough. And both sides winning on the other side because one side's not doing it right. You know, taking advantage. What you got to take advantage of mistakes or things, but too many, too many mistakes in practice. I mean, too many inconsistencies. They'll be doing it really good for a while, and that team will take it. Then the defense will come back, and the defense will do it because the offense is bad, or the offense is do good because the defense was bad. Not, and I don't mean make a play. I mean just you know, just bad technique, just really poor play in my opinion. Too much inconsistency. There was some good play, but there was some just too much inconsistency. What do you attribute that inconsistency? To? Good question. Lack of focus, I guess. The concentration, maturity. I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. Got to learn what to do and have an urgency to do it. Timing with quarterbacks and receivers, have you seen that progress? Average, average. I'm getting better, but average. Does something like that just take a little time to, to knock the rust Well, out? I hope so. We'll see. More time. Sometimes it does, sometimes it don't. I mean, it does. I mean, sometimes you come out with it, sometimes you don't. You just got to incorporate it. All right, Shane. So, Jimbo, I mean, whatever bugs up his ass in this training camp, maybe he's just trying to – I don't know, maybe he's just trying to, like we were talking about, getting these guys to not read their media clippings or what have you. I'm not sure. But he's all over them. And uh, and then once again, he was asked about uh, the receivers and their chemistry with the quarterbacks, and he got on their ass too. Jeez, yeah, he did, man. You know, first thing I did when I heard this clip, I looked up college station weather. And you know the next nine days, there's only one day that's not in the hundreds. And it's 98, you know, it's like 40% humidity. Maybe, I mean, it is the dog days down there. So maybe they just, uh, maybe they're just tired. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know. The more these things keep coming out, the more concerns I have because Jimbo's knows, he knows what's expected of them this year. And it feels to me like some of these players 
aren't there yet. So maybe he's just, you know, maybe he's ripping into him at practice too. Yeah, and I, I may be reading too much into this, Shane, but I'm wondering if this is a little bit of psychological warfare here by Jimbo because when he was asked about Jamon Osmond and his progress, he allowed himself to say something positive here. Listen to this. Did you see some urgency with Jamon Osmond? Yes. Jamon's been a, a really dependable, having a really good camp so far. I think he's having a really good camp. All right, Shane, that was so short. <laughs> I, I think I got to play it again because it's that short. This is the literally the only positive thing he said here all of training camp. And if you listen again, he starts out positive, then immediately it seems like he tries to curtail it. Have you seen some urgency with Jamon Osmond? Yes. Jamon's been a, a really dependable, having a really good camp so far. I think he's having a really good camp. All right, Shane, I hope you caught it there that second time, but that's what I'm talking about. I, that makes me think this is a little bit of psychology here by Jimbo Fisher. Am I reading too mm. much into it? No, not at all, man. I, I, I think you may be right. Just he's there. I think he's mentally ready for the season, mm-hmm. and these players aren't. So he's he's going to get them there. That's Jimbo coach is tough. He'll get these boys hard before the season starts. Now, final thing here on the Aggie Shane. I thought I just thought this was hilarious. I was cracking up when I heard this, but Jimbo Fisher was asked about his players jumping off social media and his thoughts on it, and uh, he just goes on a little tangent here that I thought was amazing. Metabike told us last week that the leadership council decided the guys would stay off social media through mm-hmm. camp. What are your thoughts on that? That's good. Hey, anything eliminates clutter. I don't ever, I, I don't have social media. I can't I, I don't see the big deal about it. I can't see why I worry about what ten thousand people I don't know think about me. <laughs> I, I really don't. I mean that's not it's just not my generation. I don't communicate that way. I mean I'll text or I'll call. Other than that, that's about the only way unless we talk. That's about the only way we're gonna we're gonna communicate. I don't I just, not, I just don't see the big deal in it. I don't see. I don't understand putting your whole life out there, and for everybody to see. Your Twitter account's still active, so not mine. I don't have one. Not mine. Sometimes I got people use fake ones. <laughs> I don't have one. Ain't no account for me. All right, Shane. So I follow Jimbo Fisher on Twitter. <laughs> I'd like to know who in the hell I'm following now, because Jimbo doesn't even know what a Twitter is. It sounds like. Is he on Twitter? I looked it up. I thought I couldn't find it. So he is on Twitter. Maybe he, he just maybe he deleted it. But it, at one point, yeah, I know for a fact I was at least I thought I was following him. I thought the only coach in the SEC that didn't have one was Nick Saban. Oh, geez, and here we find out. And Pruitt ain't even running his. You know, it's just it's all a shell game, Mike. <laughs> it's all lies. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Final team we got an update here on, but uh, Coach O was down on ESPN uh, 104.5 FM off the bench here at ESPN Baton Rouge, and uh, he gave an update on his team I thought was particularly interesting, Shane, because the offensive line, that's a big question mark, particularly the tackles for the Tigers. And I've been kind of curious to know with this new-look offense how this running game is going to work. And Ed Orgeron, I mean, he sounded damn over the moon on 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 both fronts. So so far, T Bob, the most improved unit on the field. Wow. I'm so fired about I'm fired up about the way offensive lines playing. You know, we gave Lloyd number eighteen the first offensive lineman to get eighteen yep. at LSU. We gave it for a reason. His leadership and Damian Lewis have been outstanding. But the tackles is one the ones that made the most improvement. Austin Beckus and Sadiq Charles are having an excellent camp. Chase on Hines is coming along. He's still 
little limited with his knee uh, injury, but I think he's going to be 100 percent the season comes. Uh, we're excited about Bedore Trar and excited about Anthony Bradford, Cordell Thomas, uh, Thomas Berry. Those two, three young linemen are outstanding. Coach, we've heard all the emphasis being put on the the, the pass game this off season with Joe Brady coming in and some of the changes to see there on that side of the ball, but. You're a run-first guy. You want to make you want to make sure that you can run the football, especially on the road. How's the run game developing here early on in camp? Really been outstanding. Uh, nine on seven. Uh, we've had three competitions on nine on seven. The offense has won two out of three. Uh, we're running the quarterback more. We got excellent scheme, but the blocking of the offensive line has been fantastic. James Craig uh, was here all summer, working with his group as much as he can. I've got to give him a lot of credit. He's got this this group going very well right now. All right, Shane. So everything's happy here in Baton Rouge. They're going to score 60 points a game, according to the quarterback. They're going to be able to run the ball, the tackle situation, all solved. I mean, Coach O, he sounds like he's ready for some, some damn football. Heck yeah, he does, man. He's already talking about the lineman. Won't be long. He'll be pumping up that kicker again, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting them all in. He's excited. I don't think anybody's more excited about football than Coach O right now. He just wants to see these boys out there and perform. So I'm pumped up too. Now he, Coach O, the only negative here, he almost uh, caused a heart attack or two probably because he announced that uh, Caleb Von Chason and Grant Delpit, you know, they've been injured. Apparently, uh, I was not aware of this, but apparently it's minor. And Chase on went on Twitter and said uh, everything's okay. It, his injury is not related to his knee. And co- now, Coach O did correct himself and say, you know, these these are nothing to worry about. But oh man, if LSU loses arguably their two best defenders uh, before the season starts, yeah, then then we'll be singing a different tune. Oh yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, don't be scared of them Tiger fans, Mike. You know, <laughs> these injuries. There there was a there was a few today, man. A few more than I'd like to hear. And we didn't really start hitting. So uh, let's, just, let's just pray our boys stay safe and healthy. All right, Shane. So that's going to do it on the news front. You got anything before we jump off here? Yeah, buddy. I got some reviews. All right, let's hit them. All right, Mike. First one comes from BR Wildcats, titled Walk Hard. I like it. Five star. You guys are doing a great job. Really love the show. Keep it up. I'm 100% committed to the podcast, but I'm keeping my options open. (laughs) Do you remember that reference, Mike? Oh, yeah. He's a fan of recruiting. That's for sure. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, BR. I've got Alex Oliver. Five-star, great insight, entertainment, and funny. Favorite new podcast, really enjoyed the news, commentary, and comedy on the SEC. Tell the Truth is an awesomely hilarious segment. Only Shane needs to give a few more ites when his for his Pruitt's impressions. I will work on it. Keep it up, guys. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> uh, next one, five-star, coming from Caleb Doring says titled best sec pod hey mike and shane really love the show i've been listening since last bowl season i honestly can't wait to listen to the most unbiased sec podcast during the 2019 season 
Even though I'm a big Tennessee homer, yeah, buddy, I enjoy hearing what's going on around the league. I also think it's great y'all keep us up to date with the high-profile SEC recruits during the offseason. Keep up the great work and go Vols. Caleb, I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate that. We appreciate all the reviews we get. That really helps us out, Shane. So, um, A little premature, Mike. Got one more if you're ready. Oh, well, yeah, let's hit it. (laughs) This one's from A457. I hope that's not your phone number. Come up with that. (laughs) I won't read it all the way out. Great show. Five star. Finally something a Georgia fan and a Tennessee fan can agree on. Matt Jones is horrible. Go (laughs) Dawgs. Oh, gosh. I, he's not horrible, but I – you know what? Yeah, no. Burn Grant. I'm just not a fan. Sorry, Mike. That, but that's all I got, and I appreciate everybody taking the time to leave a rating or review on iTunes. It really does help us out. Uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, so thanks, everyone. And if you've not left your rating or review, go ahead and do that, and we'll give you a shout-out here on the podcast. I think that'll do it, Shane. Thank you for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. I may shave the last like forty-five seconds of this because it's. I like this is a long one. Yeah, yeah, I liked everything until the end when he's talking about patting guys on the back or whatever. It's like, (laughs) whatever, you know what I mean? Or that guy's like, that that can help him too, can it? Who gives a shit? You know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because we got our opening clip was like. You want to fucking eat? <laughs> and then he's like, you know, yeah, you really can. You can go out there and say, good job. <laughs> Explain why he thinks that's going to get turned around. Let's wait for that garage to go back. <laughs> yeah, that's going to say. Fuck. All these damn interruptions. I'm telling you, man. We're just going to have to meet at a Hardee's or something and do this thing. <laughs> and it's even worse today because uh on the second floor there's a we have an air conditioning for each floor of the house yeah and it's been off all day yeah so it's like 85 up here <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like i'm sweating right now it's it's rough <laughs> i'm sorry man what's wrong with it Oh, nothing's wrong with it, but I just had it off all day, and then um, I record up here. I we I usually run it for about fifteen minutes, and it gets it gets perfect. But I didn't uh, I didn't do that today. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's all right. All right, I, I guess they're not fucking closing it. Okay. We'll, we'll just down. we'll just stop when they do, I guess. But all right, Shane. So I really liked what Mullen had to say here. It makes a ton of sense. I mean, familiarity with the system. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was going to happen. <laughs>